The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFon. And joining me on this episode, it is Godsmack singer Sully Erna. We talk about his new album, Hometown Life. We also get an update on what's going on with Godsmack. Before checking that out, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch LaFon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one, Mitch LaFon on Facebook, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch LaFon. You care to support the podcast. And with that, here is the one, the only, singer extraordinaire, Sully Erna. Pleasure to speak with you. Good, good. We haven't uh, spoken since Avalon, so it's it's a great pleasure to talk to you again. Oh, wow. That's a wow. Six years. Yeah, it's been a while, uh, so we, we, we need to do better than that. But uh, let's talk about um, hometown life. Um, I guess we'll start off with, with the basic question is, what sort of compelled you to put this collection together? Well, uh, I think it was just something, once again, that kind of just happens when it happens. Um, I've decided a while ago, especially through the Avalon experience, that you know solo stuff is something that I just write on my own time over time and I don't really put a, a time limit on it. I don't, there's no real stress or deadlines and things like that. Cause I'm, you know, I'm always busy doing things with Godsmack or whatever, but in the dressing rooms or at home on breaks, you know, sometimes ideas pop up and you just kind of document them, record them very uh, vaguely or whatever. And, and, you know, I revisit that stuff when I have some time to myself. And that's why I think it takes a little while sometimes for me to get, the collection of songs that that I feel can make a record because um, I come up with a lot of different things, but sometimes they just don't work for me or I can't put it together and it doesn't go anywhere. And the ones that do become a song, they just kind of get put on the back burner and I revisit them when it's really time or if I have enough time to know that I can record a record. So again, it happened like that. You know, it was just one of those things that I just started, you know, since Avalon ended, there was, some remnants of things that I wanted to get on Avalon that, you know, for whatever reason I couldn't finish. And so I revisited some of that stuff. So there's a couple songs on there that have a little bit more age to them. And then other things just, you know, as I'm in writing mode and I'm getting into solo mode, um, things, obviously that instrument starts opening up and then more and more information comes. And I, you know, I just kind of record that as, uh, as I'm, I'm working on it. So, you know, this was kind of a hybrid of a lot of different, timelines that I was just kind of, you know, collecting ideas and melodies and things like that. Um, talk to me a little bit about the importance of making a solo record, because, you know, you look at Madonna or U2, they're sort of able to reinvent themselves and reinvent the music, staying within the brand or the band. Um, why do you feel the need to take it outside of Godsmack, or would fans just not accept it as a Godsmack album? Um, well... For me, it's more it's more personal. Like, uh, you know, if I was just constantly handcuffed to Godsmack, I think my spirit would just die in music because, uh, you know, I come from a musical family. I've been playing since I was three and a half years old. My dad's a musician. My great uncle was a famous composer in Italy. You know, my music bloodline goes quite a ways back. And I was raised with all kinds of different music, Italian music, jazz, blues. Um, I didn't play rock. I didn't play rock until I was in my teens, you know, so that wasn't really what I was raised on and how I discovered music. I discovered music through Buddy Rich and bands like that, right? So as I got older, um, it was like, why wouldn't I open that up? Why wouldn't I kind of explore those genres that, you know, that, that, um, that turned me on and inspired me in the first place to want to be a musician? 
Um, and so, you know, and I've done a lot with Godsmack and I have no regrets, you know, and I know it's not a, a closed chapter in my life yet. We're going to still continue to do some stuff, but I certainly love other kinds of music. So for me, it's about balance. And I really feel that um, I have to have Godsmack in my life for, for those reasons, because I, I do have that edge, you know, being raised in the inner city and stuff like that. And, you know, there's like a toughness about that kind of music and rock and um the aggressiveness and that kind of thing but there's also you know i'm i'm another person too i'm a, i'm a dad i raise you know i have i'm a single dad that raises a daughter and um and you know i don't live like a crazy life of trashing hotel rooms and smashing beer bottles like so i think that's a reflection of this other side of me as well you know being involved in relationships being a hopeless romantic um a lot of those things is what inspires me to write um, a more contemporary kind of music, you know, and, and it gives me an opportunity to also bring out some of the music that that I grew up on, like the, the blues side and, and that kind of thing. So for me, you know, I think it's just about exploring and taking risks and having that balance, you know, because I, I need God smack in my life for certain reasons, but I need Salierna to be present too. And that's the, you know, that's the bittersweet about the whole thing. Yeah, and that's that's actually very well put, I must say. Um, you mentioned your father, and of course, he he plays trumpet on the track "Turn It Up." Uh, just first of all, talk to me about that experience of having you know a, a son dad thing going on, but also how supportive was he of the Godsmack? Uh, because you know the music that he does and that your family was doing is certainly not metal or heavy metal. Were they dismissive of it, or were they supportive of what you were doing? Oh, no, they were 100% supportive. You know, I mean, it was a bit of a struggle in the early days with me and my dad because life was a lot different back then as well. You know, we were very, very poor, you know, and it was I was in a lot of trouble. And, you know, he was just being a dad, being protective. But they had me at a very young age, too. And so, you know, whatever beefs that I had with my parents when I was younger, it was just due to that. You know, everybody was young. I mean, they had me when they were in their early, early 20s. So they don't, you know, I can't default him. As you get older, you start to go, well, wait a minute now, I'm 35 years old or whatever it was at the time. And I'm thinking, man, you know, this guy had me when I was, what, 23 years old? Like, he didn't know how to be a father. He was raised by a father that wasn't really great to him, um, you know. And so there was just, I had to look back at that and I had to kind of just let those things go. Um, but my point to that is, is that there was a moment, you know, for a while where, things weren't really great. And, um, I'm, but, but I always knew he was there in the background and, and my mom for sure supported me hundred percent. She bought me, you know, whatever I needed, musical instruments and stuff, even though we didn't have any money, she'd find a way to, to, to um, provide for me, you know, the things that I really wanted to pursue. And she knew I was good at what I did and I was serious. And my dad did as well, you know? Um, but it was a long time where, you know, he wasn't really, um, involved in my life and so um and so it was hard to say if the support was there uh there was a bit of a struggle of him just wanting to make sure that i had a backup plan and music should just be a hobby and there was that fight and i'm going what do you mean music's a hobby like you started me in music and so this is going to be a priority and everything else will be a hobby um and he didn't get that you know he had an old school italian mentality or whatever but of course you know, things come around and then he sees that, you know, that you really do have a gift and you're just really talented. And, 
whatever it was. And, um, and then, you know, then, then things started to happen and I was making a lot more, um, progress becoming a musician, you know, making a living from it and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but ever since me and him kind of rehabilitated that whole relationship, he's been nothing but supportive. I mean, he's probably my biggest fan and, you know, he's there at all the shows, him and, him and uh, his wife. And, um, and we all, we're all very, very close now, you know, and it was great to have him on this record because there it is, you know, like all these things he experienced as a child, um, the ups and the downs and feeling like your parents are rebelling against you and you're rebelling against them and just like a disconnect and you don't speak to each other for years and whatever it is, you know, it comes full circle. And then I start thinking, well, I've never had a song where he could have played on. And then the song started developing. There was this real swanky, funky, jazzy blues song. And I'm thinking, okay, this one doesn't need strings. This one needs horns. You know, as, and as I'm assembling a, a horn section to record for me, it just dawned on me and thinking, wow, what, why wouldn't I have my dad playing this? He's a trumpet player, has been his whole life. Um, you know, he can read anything for sheet music. So I invited him onto it. And, uh, you know, of course, he was honored to do it and kind of even nervous. Um, he hadn't played in a while. You know, he still runs and owns an Italian band in the Northeast that does all the Italian feasts and all that. They march with the saints in the streets and all that stuff. And so he's the dude that, that runs the, that owns that band. And, but he doesn't really play so much anymore. He hadn't played in about 15 years. So he was really nervous, but he was practicing every time I went over there, he was practicing and it was really cool to see it happen. Um, and so anyways, long story short, he did a great job. He came in and recorded, knocked it out. You know, we did a live show together and it was just, you know, it was a real, real privilege to have him on stage and introduce him and, you know, put him up front and center and all that stuff. And people went crazy and it was, it was great. You know, he's 71 years old, going on 72 and, and I, and I'll always have that memory, you know, he'll always have that memory. And it was, it was a good moment for us. Yeah. It looks like it is the next memory that you'd like to make, uh, record with your daughter. That would be amazing, but she's not she's not there you know she's not doing music um to that degree just yet she's very curious she certainly has the gift you know um at the times where she just wants to show me some show her something on the piano or a guitar and i help her when she asks but i promised myself i wouldn't force that down her throat because i don't want to do that i don't want her to feel like she has to be in my shadow or you know in, in that way i think that's a lot of pressure to put on a young kid, especially when the parent is successful. And I, I, I think that might be a mistake if I was to try to force her to be a musician. I want her to be what she wants to be. But if she's interested, she knows I'm always there to help her. And so, and it kills me sometimes because she's got that gift, man. Like I can show her a song. And, you know, when she was going through her Adele phase, like I would show her someone like you or someone like that on piano. And like within 10 minutes, man, she would have it dialed. And then she wouldn't play for a while. And, you know, a year or two later, she'd be like, I'd go, hey, you, you know, we're running late for something. I'm like, give me five minutes, go on the piano and mess around with something. And then I could hear her in there noodling around all this time later. And then little by little, I could hear her putting it together again, and boom, she has it. And I'm going, oh, it kills me. She's got that gift, and, like, she's just not immersed into it. Although she's a huge music fan, and she knows every song, every lyric to every genre, She's just amazing when it comes to a really wide variety of music she listens to. 
But yeah. as far as a musician, you know, she's still not quite developed yet. So. But it, but pressure aside, the next solo album, whether it's five years or ten years, if she played piano on one track, you, you'd be thrilled. Oh, my God. I yeah. would love to actually. She has such a big voice. I wish she would just get serious and take some singing lessons because I think she could be a power singer. Like, she could be one of those big voices because she's got a big voice. And that would be amazing to be able to do, you know, a song to sing together. That would be a dream come true for sure. Oh, that would be great. Now, uh, you had Avalon, and of course, you've got uh, this album, Homebound, Hometown Life. Um, at some point, do you want to get more into a solo career, or is it just sort of, we'll do solo albums when the moment strikes, or at some point, do you really want to be Sully Erna, the solo artist, and off I go? Well, I, you know, it, I'll, I, it's a trick question because uh, yes. I don't think I would ever not be Sully Erna of Godsmack. I mean, that band has definitely, you know, given me a great career and a great life and, you know, been able to support me and provide for my family. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. But you're right. As I get older, things change. And I don't. You know, as when I was younger, of course, I was raised with the Judas Priest and the Iron Maidens and the Metallicas. And so that was always my thing, like Zeppelin and Aerosmith. I wanted to be in a rock band. I loved rock music. But as I get older, I also love all these other, you know, bands that I listen to and artists that I've listened to, Ray Charles and Edda James. And, you know, there's a lot of like old vintage stuff that I love as well. And so I never thought now... I, I don't think I thought about this when I was younger, but now I, I wonder, like, have I done enough with that? And do I always want to be that? Like, did I want to be that guy that when he's 65 years old, he's still up on stage with a leather jacket and some theater, you know, singing all these heavy rock songs that I wrote when I was a young, angry kid? Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the direction that I want to stay in because I don't think that's who I am anymore. And there's a lot of that that... I was once in my life, and I definitely was a younger, angrier guy that wrote a lot of aggressive songs, but life has changed, and I'm not that person anymore. So I personally think that, you know, my solo career is something I could see myself riding the sunset out with, um, yeah. you know, and, and visiting Godsmack once in a while. It'd be kind of cool to do some shows here and there. You know, we're not nowhere near done yet. I mean, of course, we have a big year coming up in 2018. It'll be the 20th year of our first album. So that should be a pretty big world tour. And the next new album as well, too. Yeah, you know, I don't know where that's going to go, but I do know that um, that one in particular will be a big moment for us. And whether it stops there, whether we continue, we'll decide that after we, after we complete that cycle. Um, but again, I don't, I don't see myself grinding this thing forever. And trying to like you know force myself to be that person when I'm in my 60s and 70s, and I don't think I want to do the Mick Jagger thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do think that like a Billy Joel is more, you know, or Bruce Springsteen is a little bit more along my lines. Maybe it's going to be more of just songwriting, you know, sitting at a piano and, and still playing music to scratch the itch, but not have to be so concerned about the big production and the rock band and the, all that the stuff. Uh, since you mentioned that with the God, with Godsmack, I keep saying the Godsmack. I don't know why I'm doing that, but um, <laughs> do, do you find then that when you do a Godsmack show, that given that you're uh, withdrawn or, or away from that young, angry, angry man, that 
you find it harder to get into those songs? Is it less believable, the, the delivery of those songs now? Or can you still get into it in the moment and go, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to be the real thing? Um, yeah, you know, it's different now, though. Um, both of those answers are right. Like, the first part is, yeah, it's difficult for me to get back into that headspace because I've been out of it for so long. Um, but there's always things that piss me off. <laughs> And there's always things that challenge you and there's obstacles that you have to jump over. So there's always something you can draw from to go and deliver that kind of performance. But ultimately what I feed off of now with Godsmack is just the energy of the music, you know? Listen, the bottom line is all those songs, whether it's Godsmack from the beginning days throughout our career or whether it's the solo material I write, every single thing I write about is a certain time and place in my life that affected me emotionally. And so it has different energy, you know, and, and I can draw off of that. And it's something that I don't regret. It's something I actually cherish. You know, I know it's kind of carved me out and made me the man that I am today right. through the experiences I've had, good or bad. Um, it's just that I've learned to humble myself a lot more as an adult now. And I can be a little bit more exposed and vulnerable and not embarrassed by it because I just know that that's part of life and that's the things we go through. Um, and so where before it was a little bit more of a, an anger based heartbreak where now it's a little bit more of, um, you know, uh, uh, submission to it, you know, it's a little bit more, um, passive and, um, and humble, you know? Right. So that, but, 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 so that's the difference, you know what I mean? But I still, what I feed off of now is the, the energy of, of God's back. When we get out there and we start strapping on our guitars and all that stuff, there's a real energy that happens in the room. There's a real electricity that's kind of going through the audience and that anticipation of us hitting the stage and all that stuff. And I just feed off of that. It feels more like a, a full contact sport than, <laughs> than a rock band, you know? Our dressing room sure as hell smells like that because of our age. We all, you know, rubbing Ben Gay on our knees and everything else at this point. <laughs> but, but it's good. You that's, know, it's fun. That, that's funny. Uh, Sully, a great pleasure. Uh, and we need to do this again before six years. Yeah, for sure. I'll try to keep the songs rolling. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, my interview with Godsmack singer Sully Erna. The new album is Hometown Life. Please check that out. While you're checking stuff out, head over to Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon if you care to support the podcast. And with that, I bid you a fond farewell, or as we say up here in Montreal, Adieu. Bonsoir. Bye for now. Oh my.